Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Cherie Sims. I want to start with the peak and pit of my day. And the peak of my day was actually that I got to babysit my friend's baby today. He's less than a year old, and he definitely gave me my baby fix without giving me baby fever. Now, y'all know I have six kids, and everybody keeps asking, do you want more? So... Let me say that I am very satisfied with the six children that I have, and I think that we're good. I think now it's just a matter of watching them grow up and have fun. I have to be very careful and strategic with how I answer that question because there is no setup for me to not have more children, and I would never want to bring a baby into this world that feels like it wasn't wanted, but I am very satisfied with the six children that I have, and I enjoyed having a seventh baby that I could send home with his mom after he was being very cute for the whole day, and he was an amazing baby. The pit of my day was probably at breakfast time, which how many of us love to have the pit of our day at the start of our day? I don't know. Maybe that's good because you get it out of the way. But the pit of my day was definitely breakfast time. Um, Several of my children had started eating breakfast and I homeschool my children. So we're home together all day long. We have breakfast at the table together, lunch at the table, dinner. We do work at the table. We at the table, y'all, because I want my kids to know they're going to grow up and have a seat at the table. But I'm So we are having breakfast and my six-year-old says that she can go get herself breakfast. I say, okay, great. So she gets a chair. She climbs up on the chair. I don't love that. She looks in the cabinet. She sees some Ritz crackers. She wants some Ritz crackers for breakfast. Technically, this wouldn't really bother me that much. I don't really honestly see the difference between Ritz crackers and cereal. I think it's all the same. But my six-year-old has severe food allergies. She has allergies that end up affecting her skin. She has really bad eczema, so she gets very itchy. She breaks out. And we have to be very, very careful and intentional about what she eats because it will make a difference in how she feels later. It makes a difference in her behavior. I noticed that when she does eat things she's not supposed to eat, it usually makes her a little crankier, maybe a little harder to focus, which makes sense to me because the inside of her body isn't feeling well. So I tell her, no, you cannot have Ritz crackers. I don't know if that's how I said it, but ultimately that was the answer. This child fell out on the floor, y'all. Six years old on the floor. She was sitting up. Her head wasn't on the floor, but she was on the floor. She was very angry. She's kicking her legs. She's kicking the dining room chair. She's doing that cry that kind of sounds like you're drooling, crying, And I'm like, what is going on? Like, you are six and you sound like a two-year-old right now, right? And in my brain, I'm looking at this child and I'm kind of frozen because I don't want to react the way that my body and my brain are telling me to react right now, which my brain is telling me, girl, you better get up. And y'all can't see me, but I think you can hear me because I'm doing it. You know, when you have to talk through your teeth because you don't want to yell yet, but the yell is coming if they don't listen when you talk through your teeth. So in my mind, I'm talking through my teeth. I said, girl, you better get up off the floor. Stop acting that way. Then my body is starting to like lunge toward her. (laughs) I want to grab her. I have it all mapped out in my mind. My mind sees it. I want to grab her from underneath her shoulder. No, her armpit, right? You know where you do that hook? And you just grab them up as you talk under your teeth. Girl, you better get up off that floor and stop acting that way. That's what I wanted to do. And if she continued to kick on the pull up, I wanted to pop her little legs. Wanted to sit her in that chair and tell her, you can't have these. You can't act this way. 
This is what I really wanted to do. Instead, I just froze. (laughs) I just froze staring at her, really waiting for a moment, waiting for a moment for me to calm down, waiting for a moment for her to calm down so I could talk to her. And in the midst of that, because she's not calming down, and I don't want to over-exaggerate. Like, she is crying. She is making the drooling sounds. Um, She is upset, but her kicks are more like these little jolts, right? She's not throwing a full out tantrum where stuff is getting torn up, but she is doing those little like foot jolts where every now and then I hear the chair bang and I'm like, don't, don't kick my table one more time. (laughs) So then she says, it's not fair. It's not fair. That's not how she sounds. Let me see if I can do it. It's not fair. That's closer. (laughs) So she starts crying and screaming how it's not fair, which that actually does pull at my heartstrings because I get it. We have this food in the house that everybody else can eat, although nobody right now is eating Ritz crackers. And she watches everyone else eat it and she can't eat it because she's allergic to it. So I get that it feels like it's not fair. And when she does cry and say that it's not fair, it does pull out my heartstrings. So I said to her, Eden, and she said, no, I don't want to hear from you right now. Oh, Lord. And the Drama Queen Award goes to. And so I said, I get that. You don't like what I'm saying. No, I don't want to talk to you right now. Okay. (laughs) So she's mad. She's on the floor. She don't want to talk to me. She don't want me near her. I do get down kind of not quite eye level because I'm 5'7 and she's sitting on her bottom on the floor, but I kneel down to her. I look at her and I very seriously say, I understand that you're mad right now, but you need to stop kicking my table. You can be mad without kicking my table. And when you're ready to eat something that's healthy for your body, let me know. Now I share this because I think a lot of times we think that Gentle parenting or conscious parenting sounds like, oh, baby, this is so unfair. You don't feel good. What can I do for you? It doesn't always sound that way. Sometimes we do have to hold our boundaries with them. And sometimes that means using a firm voice. So she said, I don't want to be near you right now. And I said, that's fine. I get that. But you can get up and move your body into your room if you don't want to be around me. I'm in my kitchen right now and I have to feed my family. So she stays on the floor and I get up and I kind of leave her be. And actually, I think one of the things I said to her, too, was, Eden, your big feelings don't scare me, but they cannot hurt other people. And when you're ready, you can eat. I've learned that it's important sometimes to let children know that when they're having big emotions, big feelings to let them know that we are not scared of them. We are not scared of their feelings. Not in a way to say, you know, I'm bigger than you. I'm not scared of you, girl. Not like that. But to let them know that their feelings are not bad feelings. They can have their feelings. Over time, we're going to learn how to manage those feelings in healthy, positive ways. But that their feelings are not bad feelings and that they don't need to be exiled or alone when they have these feelings of unfairness or sadness or whatever it is that they're feeling. So I leave her on the floor, I get up, and I start just kind of taking out the food that she's not allergic to. So side note, when we have these things with food allergies or whatever else it is, I know that there is a feeling of unfairness and there are sometimes things we can do. One of the things that I do is to make sure that we always have food for her that she likes, 
food for her that feels equivalent to other things. So if her sisters and brother can make pancakes, I make sure that we also have gluten-free pancakes mixed so she can also have pancakes. Because I do think that it sucks if everybody's having pancakes, you're allergic to pancakes, and you have to have a banana. Like, (laughs) that does suck, and it's unfair. So I always make sure that we have the equivalent of everything. If I have regular pretzels in the house, I'm going to have gluten-free pretzels. Um, And I also do this, like my older daughter also has food allergies. We go through the same thing where in the past she has had kind of breakdowns over people eating what she considers to be her food. And again, it was one of those situations where the reaction makes me mad and I want to get mad at her and I want to tell her to stop it and that it's ridiculous to be mad that somebody's eating food. We all have to eat. And Because I didn't respond that way and I took a moment and I waited until the feelings passed a little bit and we were able to have a conversation, I did learn that there have been times that the food she was able to eat would run out before other people's food and that there were times where she had a feeling and a worry and a concern that she was not going to be able to eat. So she does not have a problem sharing food. She has a problem with feeling like she's not going to be able to eat in three days and other people are. That's one of those reasons why sometimes we don't want to yell at our children and we want to create a safe space where they can share with us because we can recognize the difference between what's happening with them, right? On the one hand, it could look like, oh, my child has a sharing problem. She's selfish and we need to fix that. But when you have a chance to actually sit down and talk with them and find out what's going on, you realize that, no, she has a need to eat. And she has a fear that she's not going to have food. So anyways, that was a side note. Sorry, got sidetracked. Back to my six-year-old. I have her on the floor and I just start pulling out all the food that she can't eat. I take out cream of rice. I take out her gluten-free waffles. I take out a bunch of fruit, make a pretty fruit platter. I start putting everything on the counter. I don't say anything to her. I'm just putting it out. And she kind of stops crying, but she's still mad. Her face is pouted. Her lips are poked out. And she looks at me and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just taking out food. (laughs) And she's like, what food are you taking out? And I said, I'm just putting some options out here if you decide that you're hungry and you want to eat something. So then she gets up and she comes over, she starts looking at the food and still she's mad at me. So she still says, I don't, I I don't know if she says, like, I don't want to be by you or something. And then I asked her, you know, Eden, you look really mad. Do you need a hug? Now, I am going to transition to the hug thing for just a moment because I've gotten this question a lot of when my child is mad and they ask for a hug, am I telling them that the behavior is okay? No, you are not. And I am here to tell you that it is okay to hug your children when they're upset. It is okay to give your child the hug when they ask for the hug in the middle of a tantrum. It's actually a way that we can help them regulate their emotions. So as we've talked about in previous episodes, when when we're having these feelings, it's something that's actually happening in their body. This is not a manipulative tool to get their way. My daughter was legit upset today. She's not mad and crying and kicking her feet as a means to get the Ritz crackers. She is mad and she is sad. And I think when we can realize that Their feelings are not necessarily tools for manipulation. I know our children are smart, but they're just, they're not, they're not doing that most of the time. 
There are children who learn how to do that. But most of the time, they are legit sad. They are legit mad. And so we should deal with the feelings that they're having and not necessarily the behaviors that we see and how we as adults interpret those behaviors. So I asked my daughter if she wanted a hug. She didn't want the hug right away. Then she started seeing the foods she wanted. Long story shorter than I'm making this long story. (laughs) She ends up picking out some waffles, bananas, strawberries, giving me a hug, having a seat at the table. Now, fast forward to later on. Where were we today? We're in the car. And remember, I told you all the peak of my day was watching this baby. So the baby's in the car. We all went to the park and my 10-year-old daughter sat next to the baby in the car on the way to the park. And then she sat next to the baby on the way home. The six-year-old wanted to sit next to the baby in the car. And she's mad at the 10-year-old because the 10-year-old is sitting next to the baby twice now. And my daughter says to me again, that's not fair, right? This time with a little less like gurgle and drool in her voice. She's not kicking this time, but she's still upset. And she's still talking about how this is unfair. So I say to her, I get that it feels unfair, but right now we got to go because there's a car behind me. Like, I got to go. I don't have time to walk through the whole thing. I don't even have the patience for it right now. I'm cold. I'm ready to leave the park. So she gets in her seat. She's mad. My my daughter, the 10-year-old, sit next to the baby. We get home. When we get out of the car, I walk my daughter inside. I sit with her and I say, you know, I've been noticing that you've been talking about things being unfair a lot lately. Are you feeling like things are really unfair a lot lately? And I'm sharing this because I know that this is something we all go through. Like how many of us have had children that tell us that's not fair, especially if you have multiple children. Like if you have more than one child, I know for sure you are hearing that's not fair on a regular basis because they're comparing themselves to their sisters or their brothers and whatever else is going on. Let's talk about how to address that's not fair. Um, So my daughter, we're sitting, we're talking, and she said, yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair that Hope gets to hold the baby more and Hope gets to sit next to the baby and all this and that. And so I asked her, I said, well, Eden, what does fairness mean? And she's like, fair is when everybody gets the same. And I said, oh, well, I get that. If you think that fairness is everybody gets the same, then you guys did not get the same because she got to sit next to the baby and you didn't. And she got to hold the baby more and you didn't. And this morning, people got to eat something that you didn't get to eat. So I could see how that would be really frustrating that all day long things seem unfair. Now, y'all, I am married to an English professor and he has kind of, I don't, I won't say taught me, but being married to him, I have learned that words are very important. So we do a lot of defining words in my house and learning new vocabulary. So we talked about the word fair. And I bet some of you are going to learn something new today because I too, in the past, have thought that fair meant equal or fair meant the same, right? And you usually have that internal response of like, well, girl, life's not fair. Suck it up. Like you better learn now that it's just not fair. We don't have to deal with things being unfair. Fair actually means in accordance with rules or standards and legitimate, right? Now, when we understand the definition of fairness, it actually changes the way we think of it and when we say things are fair or not fair. So fair is not the same. That's number one that me and my daughter talked about. Fair is actually accordance with rules or standards. Now, for her, 
the standard is that you can't eat gluten. So when you eat things that have gluten to them, are you being fair to yourself? She said, no. And I said, now when you eat gluten and you're itchy later and you're unable to sleep, is that fair to you? She said, no. I said, now what are the variables between you and Hope? I said, let's talk now about you and Hope and this baby. What are the variables between you and Hope? And she said, I don't know what variables is. (laughs) And I said, wonderful. Let's learn a new vocabulary word. I said, variables are differences. And she goes, well, Hope has long hair and I have short hair. (laughs) And I said, yes, that's a variable. But what are some variables between you and Hope in regards to the baby? What do you think? And she said, well, I'm like four feet tall and Hope is about four, seven. No, 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 no. Hope's four, eight. Yeah, definitely. Hope is four, eight and I'm four feet tall. And I said, okay, and how does that make a difference in the baby? And she said, well, I guess it's kind of easier for Hope to hold the baby because she's bigger. I said, yeah, that's a great observation. And I said, if she's bigger and able to hold the baby a little easier, what do you think that does for the baby? And she said, "Mm, I don't know, maybe... Maybe the baby's a little bit safer if he's held by a bigger person. I said, yeah, that's brilliant, Eden. He's definitely safer if someone bigger is able to hold him and help him. I said, what are some other variables? She said, "Mm, well, Hope's four years older than me. I said, she is. That is an excellent observation, Eden. Do you think that when Hope was six years old, she was holding babies a lot of times? Or do you think she would just maybe hold a baby for a minute and then hand it back to the adult around. And she said, oh, I think she probably just held the baby for a minute. So what I started to do here is I started to talk to my daughter and really open up a conversation because one thing that I find we do as parents, myself included, especially when I'm just at my capacity of patience and love and energy and when I'm tired. But what a lot of us do is we try to just tell children what to think instead of trying to teach them how to think and instead of trying to teach them how to deal with the emotions, right? Rather than just saying, um, that that is fair or it's it's not fair, life sucks, suck it up, right? We, we don't necessarily give them anything to walk away with. We're just kind of like, shut off the emotion, shut out the words, shut up and sit down. And when we do that, they don't actually learn how to think through the things. They don't learn how to deal with the feelings, which doesn't help them the next time they feel like something is unfair or something is, you know, just sucks. It doesn't help them to figure out how to actually manage that feeling because these feelings don't go away. Even as adults, (laughs) as an adult, I felt like things are not fair. I could we I now I know there are several of y'all that could probably vibe with me on the feeling of my husband just gets to walk out and go wherever he wants when he wants to and I can't. That's not fair. And it is really upsetting. And sometimes especially if moms, you know, if it's their postpartum or they have hormones involved or just it's Tuesday and that happens, sometimes it can feel so overwhelming and we as adults can cry and feel like this is not fair. And I think it would really suck if I was crying about it and I said, it's not fair that you get to go whenever you want and I don't. And if my husband just looked at me and was like, life's unfair, suck it up and left. Like I 
we we wouldn't make it, y'all. We'd be divorced. We'd be divorced. He might be dead. I don't know. I don't know if I can say that on a recorded anything, but he's alive and well. But you get my point. If I had another adult treat me that way, I it wouldn't feel good. And that would not be an adult that I would feel comfortable with having a relationship with, right? That wouldn't be somebody that I felt safe to talk to about anything. It wouldn't be someone I would want to go to with my problems. And these are the things I think about when I'm developing my relationship with my own children is that I want to create a safe space for them. I want to be the person that they're able to come to when they are in trouble and they do need help. I don't need them or want them to, no, I'm lying. I want them to tell me everything. I don't need them to tell me everything in life though, but I do want them to feel like they could tell me any and everything. And I just think that comes with creating safe spaces and validating children. And I definitely, definitely want to talk a lot more about validation. Uh, So please come back because I think I want to turn that into a whole episode where we could just talk about validation. But I think one of the benefits of validating your children creating safe spaces. Again, when it comes to this, that's not fair thing. Teaching them how to think, how to feel, how to manage those emotions. It just really develops a relationship between us and them. That's positive. It develops a relationship that's positive within yourself. If this morning I had not taken a moment to breathe and kind of walk away from the situation for a moment or address it you know, in a way where I just started taking out the food. If I did what I wanted to do and talked to her between my teeth and grabbed her up under the armpit, if I did that, one, she would have cried harder. Two, she probably would have ran to her room and not even had breakfast. And three, I would have felt bad. That's not the mom I want to be. That's not how I want to show up. I didn't teach her how to manage anything, anything like that. So even when I ask my daughter, you know, are you being fair to you? Fairness is also to us. Like, am I being fair to myself? Is this how I want to show up? All right, y'all. There's a bunch of different places I could go with this topic because everything is kind of interconnected. But I really do want to drive home what we can do when our children are saying that's not fair because it's something that we hear often. It's something we're going to have to deal with. And it's frustrating for us. So hopefully I can support and ease some of your frustrations. So let's look at kind of the steps maybe that I talked about. Step one, I would say, is to definitely tend to yourself first and calm yourself. I think that all of our reactions to our children, positive, negative, you want to scream, you want to pop them, you want to hug them, whatever it is, all of those things are natural. But just pause for a moment, check in with yourself, ask yourself, how do I want to show up to this situation? Step two, I think, is really looking at your child's needs, right? One of the things that I learned from Dr. Becky Kennedy uh, that I absolutely love is my child is not giving me a hard time. My child is having a hard time. So again, a lot of times we look at this, they're trying to manipulate me. No, they're legitimately sad and hurt. So step two would be kind of looking at them and affirming or validating that they are experiencing this, right? They're not doing something to you. They're having a hard time right now. Step three would be validating that, right? It, it sucks. It doesn't feel good when things are unfair. I get that. In that step, you kind of have to gauge where, you at, where you're at. Look at the situation. Sometimes your child is open and ready in the moment to embrace that validation, to embrace you and move forward. Sometimes, like my daughter this morning, they don't want that moment. And 
I don't want to say you have to respect that, but it, honestly, it's easier if you respect that and give them that moment. In giving them that moment, though, let them know I'm still here. I see that you need a moment. When you're ready, I'm right here. Saying I'm right here doesn't mean you need to stand right next to them. You can walk away and kind of point to yourself and say, I'm right here. Just let them know that you are available when they're ready for that support from you. Number four would be really meeting whatever the need is in that moment, right? For my daughter, she needed food. (laughs) So let's get her the food. And then step five is later coming back. I always think it's important to not try to have these lessons in the moment, right? It's so hard to teach them new skills and teach them new things in the moment when they're stressed out, when they're upset. So come back to it. You guys have a lifetime prayerfully, right? So you have time to come back to it. Don't wait too long that they forgot what happened, but you don't have to teach the lesson and gain and build the skill in that moment. Let it go, regulate, calm yourself, calm your child, and then later come back to it and have that conversation with them about what does fairness look like? How do we make things fair? Um, What does fairness mean? And again, teaching them how to think about things. And by teaching them how to think about things, it's actually easier than maybe it sounds. It's just about asking questions. Just ask a bunch of questions because you're drawing out of them. You want them to be able to come up with the answers. You don't have to give them the answers. You don't have to lecture them. Just open up a space where they can start to think about things so that they can start to shift how they see things and shift how they think about things until they kind of realize like, oh, this is fair or this is, you know, this is nice or this whatever the this after blank is. Those would be the things I would say. So I hope that helped you guys. Let me know how you're feeling. Let me know what you think is fair or unfair. And y'all, if you're dealing with, I'm, uh, this is what I'm going to leave on. Okay. So I talked about my husband for a quick second, talked about him leaving and feeling like that wasn't fair. I know that you guys feel that way as well. I won't say I know, but every mom I've talked to has that same feeling. And I will share that my husband and I were in therapy and I brought that up and my husband looked at me and he said, but Sharice, you never leave. And that kind of blew my mind, right? Like, oh, I just don't leave. And of course I came up with a thousand excuses about why I don't leave, but I realized in that moment that I could just leave. So y'all, if you are feeling like it's unfair that your husband gets to leave whenever he wants and you don't, just leave. All right, my friends. So your homework for this week is actually going to be pretty simple. I want you to identify the last time or a time that you felt like something wasn't fair so that you can remember what that feels like to feel like something is unfair. I think this will help you when addressing your child when they're saying that's not fair, just so that we can have a little more empathy for them. That's all I got for y'all today. I am going to just leave now uh, and take a moment before I get back to my bunnies and my babies. So I will talk to y'all next time.